So good afternoon. Yeah. It's wonderful, wonderful to have um, Sister Patricia all the way in Peru. I don't know where, whereabouts in Peru are you exactly? Uh, Michelle, good morning to you, or good <laughs> afternoon, and Tess is there too. Yes, Tess is here too. Uh, I'm in, uh, Michelle, I'm in Lima, but ah. I'm in a shanty town, and the shanty town is probably about 40 minutes outside of Lima, outside of the capital city, Okay, because the shanty towns have grown up around the city. The beautiful country. It is a beautiful country and beautiful people. They are absolutely beautiful people. So yes. we'll, start, Very kind. we'll start at the beginning. It's it's really um, a thrill for me to for that you're here. And um, I just wanted to say that Sister Patricia is a Loretto nun who came to Gibraltar. Um, when did you come to Jib? Oh, I came to Jib. Now, let's count back 2013 uh, years before 2000. So, okay. Tessa, you, you're always good at mathematics. No, you no, that's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I spent, uh, Michelle, I spent 13 years in Jib, and then I left in 2000, and, and I went off to learn some Spanish. Very good idea. You didn't learn any Spanish while you were here. N not much. <laughs> they scolded us when we spoke Spanish in school. They did. Mm -hmm. I was talking about the, that the other day. So when I was at Loreto, my my headmistress was Sister Anne McLaughlin. Yes. Uh, and uh, she was with my headmistress all the way through my school years, and she used to stop us from speaking Spanish. Yeah. Now they are trying to bring back Janito, trying to bring back um, yeah. the, the bilingualism that we were brought up with yeah. when we were young, because the new generation, this generation, my children's generation, they are not bilingual. Yeah. They can't really go as say they are bilingual not because really. they're not. So, I actually saw that article. Uh, I sometimes look up what's happening in Gibraltar, my beloved Gibraltar, and uh, I saw that they were trying to to do that, bring back the Janito. Is that what you call mm -hmm. it? That's right. That's right. So you, what? Tell me about your memories of Gibraltar. So you arrived here whenever it was thirteen years before two, the year two thousand, <laughs> which was yes. probably twenty. Uh, no, which was nineteen. Well, eighty something or nineteen ninety yes. something, I, and and I, why why I did you come to Jib? You came to Jib to become I the was, headmistress. Yeah, I came and I started t uh, teaching two years in the girls' comprehensive school West Side. Okay, and then I was asked by my congregation to move up to Loreto. I was thrilled. And I I remember Sister Anne said, Patricia, do you want primary seven or do you want five-year-olds? And I said, give me the five-year-olds. And this is where I had my first meeting with Tessa. Tessa was a five-year-old. Yes, my first little class. I remember her mommy carrying her down the playground because she wouldn't walk. <laughs> Why? Because she was lazy? Can be bothered. Nice. Mm. Oh, well, the, one of those. One since of those. Patricia did all of my um, sports days, <laughs> all of the flat races, there's photos of Patricia carrying me run. Really? <laughs> all of them. Oh, Michelle, I, I then went and I taught three years in the school and then I took over as headmistress. 
I have to tell you that I absolutely loved Gibraltar. I loved the people. I loved everybody there. I remember the first year I went back. Now, you will probably laugh at this, but I remember stepping into Gibraltar and my heart was so Oh, it was bursting with, uh, and I remember thinking, this must be what it's like to go to heaven. Oh, (laughs) that's such a nice thing to say. And that was my first visit back. I I just loved Gibraltar and all the people that might be listening, I send a big hug because I loved every minute of my time. What was your, did you live up at the convent? I did, yes. Yes, I did. Uh-huh. And what what are your most your happiest memories of your time here? I think uh, my happiest memories were of my time in the junior school and teaching. I uh, just teaching. I had I taught five year olds and then I went uh, to to up to eight year olds and that's what I love. But I think as well the people, the beauty of the place. Uh, how they accepted us. Uh, you know, we were we were strangers as well. We were, but, uh, and I just think Gibraltar is an absolutely beautiful place to live. Tessa and Michelle, sometimes I envy you that, be, please enjoy it. It is such a beautiful little country. And, and the lovely people and all my friends. Oh, well, I'm sure they're going to be thrilled to listen to you on this podcast. So, Thank you. What what takes you? So then you do your thirteen years in in Gibraltar and you're happy, and then you decide that you. How did this school in Peru come about? Why did you decide to leave? Yeah, I have to say that as I say, I love Gibraltar, but I felt that there was another call for me. I had always wanted to go and work on the missions or work somewhere. And I did write to my boss at the time. She was an Australian. And I said to her, look, I love Gibraltar, but I really feel that I have to to do this. This is in my heart. And I thought that she said, well, Patricia, write to me and tell me why. And I thought that because I spoke English, she would send me to Africa or India But she rang me and said, Patricia, I accept this and I want you to go to Peru. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Peru. You know, uh, all I could think of were the, uh, you know, the English. I didn't didn't embarrass. Yeah. And then I said to her, but, you know, I don't speak any Spanish. And being a typical Australian, and she said, well, go and learn it. So I then went off to uh, learn uh, Spanish in Salamanca. Oh, beautiful place. Yes. I love Salamanca. Absolutely. And the happy memories of Salamanca. I'm still in touch with my teacher. And uh, then I m- remember coming to Peru. And, and how was that? While, while I was, Michelle, in Salamanca, I thought I was coming to Peru to mind a door or or just to sweep floors or just to help people in whatever. And they rang me in Salamanca and said, Patricia, they are looking for a school in Hicamarca. Would you do it? And I thought, but I don't, you know, can't speak Spanish. I know nothing about the education system. And then... When I came out here, it was a Good Friday, and I came out to Higamarca, and I could, we went round the Via Crucis, the way of the cross. Mm-hmm. Michelle and Tessa, I could not believe the poverty. Really? 
And I remember the sister with me said, Patricia, what do you think? And I, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't words. I just cried about it. And I said, whatever I can do to help these people, I will do. And uh, the mom, the moms wanted a school. Yes. And I thought, and in my heart, I thought, well, what's the difference between mothers in Gibraltar or mothers in Ireland or little children in Gibraltar or little children in Ireland? I am going to try this. I'm going to give them a hand. And so we started the school. And I remember, I you know, the school is in, 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 not, in not a very nice area. Is that right? In the shanty town, you were saying? Yes, it's in a shanty town. And there is not. Hikamarka. Yeah, Hikamarka. And it's uh, really, it's dust. I don't know. It's to me, it reminds me of a lunar landscape. Yeah. Because it's not clay, it's not sand, it's dust, dust, dust. What the, 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 what, the, the, the ground like road to oh. get to the school and all around the school is all like dusty road. And okay, it's do you remember the parking of La Caleta years and years ago? It's kind of like that, but a bit worse. Okay. And why did they want you to go to this school in particular? Because the people here, we had worked. Uh, uh, in pastoral here, two sisters, and the people seeing us and knew about this group of Fay e Alegria schools because they are run by the Jesuits. And I'll explain what that is. Yeah. And they said, please, can we have a school here? So the Jesuits said, right, if you want a school here, you, the people have to be willing to give us a bit of land and we have to look for a congregation that will be willing to take this school on. And so they asked my congregation, and because at that stage I had asked to go on the missions, they said, Patricia, would you run this school? Right. And really, you know, I, I looking back, I think, oh, my goodness, you started a school, <laughs> you couldn't speak the language, you knew nothing about the education system, but God is always in it. It's, of course, yeah. if you put yourself in his hands, he will guide you. Yes, absolutely. That's how absolutely. I do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, just the process. Yes. Yeah. So I started the school with two classrooms, 120 little ones. Five and six-year-olds. Wow! Back to your roots. Back to my roots, Tessa. And uh, in Spanish. In Spanish. No doors, no windows, no desks. I remember, you know, at the weekends, my first classroom was bricks with a plank on it, and uh, we we st we started it off and. Just to have the hundred at Mira, I'll, I'll throw in a little Spanish word now and again, but <laughs> I am convinced of education. I think that education is the key. I don't, God has no favorites. These little ones are brilliant. They, you know, I started off with 120. And I promised myself that I would give them the same education that our children in Gibraltar got, or in Australia, or in Ireland, and that God is no favourites. And all the children really lack is money. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, they don't like uh, 
intelligence, they don't lack a heart, they don't lack talents, they don't lack this desire to go ahead. All they needed was for me to create a bridge. And I did that with so much help from my beloved Gibraltar, from people who were willing to help me. And we began to set up a classroom with chairs and desks. And, and I, I thought, Michelle and Tessa, I will not ever give these children a poor education. A poor education for poor children does not exist in our vocabulary here. And I, I feel that, you know, every little classroom as it built up one by one had to be the best that we could do. It had to be beautifully tidy, beautifully painted. Uh, okay, we might not have had a lot, but we could have the classroom clean and tidy and and bit by bit we built it up. Gosh. Oh, where she is now, that's her library. It's beautiful because this is a podcast so no one can see yeah, it. But no, we can, no, we're we're can, doing it on Zoom it. and I'm, I'm appreciating <laughs> it. So what, what has it become? What has it become for you now? I mean, it's your life. You, how, how long have you lived there now? I, I have been now in the school 21 years. My goodness, longer than you were here. Yeah. Yeah. I now have uh, 1,200 children. Wow. I, I have... Uh, nursery school, I've primary school, and I have secondary school. Wow. Now, if you said, if you said to me, Patricia, what would your biggest achievement be? I think my biggest achievement would be to that the people now know that everything is possible with education. Okay. That sometimes at the beginning they would say, "Oh, but Madri, we're." we are poor. Do you think we would ever be able to go to university? Do you think we would ever be able to do this? And I would say, of course, yes. of course, of course, of course. But, uh, and and we have children now that are getting grants for university. I mean, two years ago before COVID, we had three children that got grants for the best university in Lima. That's amazing. Uh, and, and they're getting, and they're going yeah. on to third level. But the biggest achievement is that they know that they can. Yeah, and it's an example to the other ones. Yeah. Yes. And the past pupils come back and they talk to the pupils that we have at the minute. And, and it gives uh, them hope. Yeah. And they have yes. hope. Yeah. And, and and even more than hope, they see, right, this is a reality. This is what we well, can it's do. It's achievable. Yeah. Yeah. And and one of the things, Michelle and Tessa, would be for me, big thing for me would be to get really good teachers. So how do you do that? I was going to ask you, how did you get it going at the beginning when it was just you and 120 kids? Well, the, the government said, you see, the government at the beginning, they said, well, we will pay the teachers. But after that, it's over to you. You do, because they didn't really help as much at the beginning, but they, they were willing. And, you know, the teachers started off with 600 solis. That was about $200 a month. Wow. But thank God the wages have gone up. But I made sure that I chose teachers that had a vocation for teaching, that wanted to get the children on, that, that the teachers who believed in education and would be part of this plan. Mm. And I achieved that. And that that is that is a big achievement to work together. And then the next thing I wanted to do was to get the parents on board. 
Because what parent will not help you if I say to them, Michelle, if I say to you, right, you help me and I will do the best I can for your youngster. I will get good teachers. I will get a good education. And hopefully one day they will be setting up their own little business or going to university or cutting hair or looking after animals, whatever they really love to, to do. do. Hmm. It's amazing. Um, yeah. So, so you had you had help. Who who helped you? I mean, apart from the fundraising, and I'm sure people in Jib are so generous. And I remember mm. even attending probably yeah. some charity event where they were raising money for your for you for, to I help. Did one. When when's the last time you came to Jib? Uh, about four years ago, Tess. I was hoping to actually go this year, but as you know, I. Took a tumble. Had a bit of a problem. Oh dear, what happened to you? <laughs> oh, I, 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 I was out and I was buying things and I I, I just cracked my my uh, hip bone and then needed a hip replacement. But oh. that, that's the way life goes, that's isn't it? That's the best, yeah. Yeah. But I did yeah. a fundraiser for you a while ago, yeah. But you, you asked me, Michelle, who helped me? Yeah, yeah. Basically, who helped me at the beginning was Gibraltar and people in Ireland. Okay. So the school... Can I on that? The school is called, I've got it here, Fe y Alegría, numero 58, Mary Wood. So I know who Mary Wood is. So she is the founder of the Loretta Nuns. So I know that much. Yes. Um, Fe y Alegría obviously mm. is two wonderful mm. words. Uh, in numero 58, <laughs> why numero yeah. 58? Yes, because the Fayalis Korea schools are a, a network of schools. Oh, I and see. I was I was number 58. Oh. Now, how did they start? There was a Jesuit in Venezuela, and he said, uh, you know, all oh, these children need, need education, and the alcalde said, Okay, if you want to help them, I'll give you my house. And from there, it just grew and grew. And they came to Peru about 53, 54 years ago. And uh, Fe Alegria started out. The, 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 the thing for Fe Alegria is Fe Alegria starts where the road ends. And so Fe Alegria are for the most, well, I'm not going to use the word poor because, as I explained, that 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 is a, a, a word. Children who are forced to live in poverty because of circumstances. So um, then we work with them and we we try and we do our best to bring a quality education. As I said, uh, uh, poor education for poor children. Oh, no, no, doesn't exist. What is, what is, I mean, apart from this is obviously one of your greatest achievements, setting up the school. Um, what qualities do you think you have as a person to be able to, to keep this going, to, to All of you know, them. the energy, because the energy that I feel from you is still there. And you, you've been going for 20 years. So, mm -hmm. and it's obviously still there. You're still, you know, passionate about what you're doing. How do you keep yes, going? Michelle, I think probably that I'm passionate about education. I think, as I said, education is the key. 
And I sometimes think of myself, you know, I came, I went to Loretta Convent, but I came from Ireland, a little parish in Ireland. And to think that just because you have an education, you can learn another language, you can go out and do something. I want every child here to, you know, to, to reach their potential, to to do so. I, I am convinced that a, a child in this school will save the world because they are so bright and, and we have little ones who are geniuses. And the only thing we have to do is give them a chance. And I want to give them a chance. And that's what gives me life, you know, to to see them getting on and to see them fulfilling their potential. You know, last year, for example, I had a little one and, you know, he's finished secondary. And this is just one example. And I mean, quite a difficult background. But he said to me, I want to be a vet. And he went and he bought himself one or two little pigs and he nurtured those pigs and fed them and sold them and built up his little uh, piggery, I suppose you could call it, up here in the hills up above us. And now he is studying to be a vet. And I think, yes, Jonathan, yes. I have so many stories like that. Children, you know, who who overcome great, you know, sometimes got difficulties to to do what they do, but we need to to tell them that they can do this and give them a bit of help. I mean, all they need is for me to put a pencil in their hand. God didn't ask me to give them the brains, but he did say, Patricia, for God's sake, give them a pencil Mm. or give them a book or give them a decent teacher. But and I'll give them the brains and the heart and the talent and you give them the pencil. Now, that's not too much to ask of me. And I will do that. What are the biggest obstacles that you have had along the way and how have you overcome them? I suppose the biggest obstacles that we would have is that uh, sometimes the health of the children. This area that we're in is uh, considered Uh, a red zone for tuberculosis. The children, many of them, although it's improving now, many of them didn't have enough food when they were small, so they would have a lot of problems with their lungs. So that sometimes is hard to overcome. The other thing that's difficult to overcome is that sometimes the children are on their own. And that is not because they're abandoned or because their parents are not minding them. But you could have a single mother and she needs to put food on the table. So she needs to go and she needs to uh, leave her children. And hopefully the oldest one will mind the youngest one. And that that to me uh, is one of our hardest things. I can remember a little boy coming into school and Cesar, and I said to him, but Cesar, why are you late? Well, he said, Madre, it's like this. I got up. I got dressed. I got my little brother out of bed and I got him dressed. And then I made him some lunch and I left it for him. And then I locked him in and I came to school. Locked him in. Yeah. And I thought uh, I'll never, you know, I still want the children to be punctual. I still want them to come to school on time. But, you know, every little situation never Never judge a situation until you ask the child, what is your situation? 
Yeah, you've also going to say that you built a comedor for the kids that don't have land yes. at home. Uh, because our children didn't have oh, a lot okay. of, uh, you know, food, uh, I opened a dining room, a comedor, and we would feed up to about 600 children a day. But not just Now, related to school children, just children generally in the area. No, children in school, because oh. I have I have all the children in the area. Oh, you do? Uh, yeah, yeah. They go, oh, they go build their houses around the school. Okay. And then they say, no, I'm in your, I'm in your vicinity, you need to oh, allow so my kids to go to school. There's only one school in yeah. the area. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I, I, and I can't give them all food, but I can give the children that really need it. And uh, we, we charge them just some, you know, I get food, I get supplemented and I might charge them maybe 10p or something uh, so that I can keep my rice coming in and I can pay the lady that washes the dishes mm. and uh, the children get a good meal. Uh, no, it's not brilliant, but it's when I say it's not brilliant, but it's very nutritious It's uh, rice and it can be lentils or it can be rice and split peas. And as well as that, once a week, we give them what they love, tajarinis with atun. Tajarini with atun. Atun is probably quite, quite, uh, quite treat, hard to no? find, no? They love that. They love, you know, spaghetti with bolognese or spaghetti with tuna. And so we allow them to have that. <laughs> That's amazing. How do you, how is this funded? I mean, where do you get funding? Um, well, sometimes Caritas will give me uh, some rice. Money that comes from Gibraltar, I would set it up and get my first food Then the little ones uh, would give me maybe one or two solis, and then I I mine that like gold dust. Nothing goes astray, and as I say, I use that to buy more rice, and I use it to pay the ladies that help me, and then just use my money to 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 get food. But I do try, Michelle, uh, to have the 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 commodore maybe you know, uh, independent a bit, just to keep it ticking over. Independent from Because what? From the from from the yeah. school? From the school. Pardon? Independent from the school. No, no, I don't mean independent, but that the income helps me to keep it uh, running. Ah, yes, I understand, because it's separate things. Do you get yes. any? Do you get any yes. help from the Peruvian government at all? From the schooling system? Is there a schooling system with the government? Not for the Commodore, but what they have been doing recently, they have a little program they call Cali Warma, and they used to give the children their breakfast. With COVID, they have sent it along in boxes, and in that box they might have rice, they might have tuna, they might have uh, porridge and fideas and that, so uh, then they get that box and they bring it home. But sometimes I feel that... When it goes home, it's not always the child who gets it. You know, it's shared out between everybody. And uh, sometimes maybe my little one gets the the uh, small bit of it, but still. How, what, what are you, yeah, what I wanted to ask you is, how, what are you going to do? Where are you taking this school, this project, this, what are your plans yeah. for the future? Oh, Oh, what do I have? I have great dreams for the school. Dreams, that's what I want uh, to know. What are your dreams? 
How long is a piece of string? What am I doing? Right. I've got, you know, I've got classrooms for for most of them now. I've got material. But what are my dreams? My dream is that every child that walks into the school is a happy little child or is a child that knows they're safe. A child that in secondary school knows that, okay, there might be a bit of unrest on the street or there might be a bit of unrest in my family. But when I'm in this school, I am safe and secure. Yeah. And I want that the children continue to believe in themselves and to achieve great things. Because later on in the year, I'm having a, a, a fair day where all the past pupils are coming in and they're setting up their stalls to show secondary what they have done. And so I will have children from that have their own businesses, that are teachers, that are my veterinarian, somebody that has is working with uh, heavy machinery, somebody, yeah, all of that. Let them see what they have done. Um, my wow. other dream is to con- continue producing green areas for the school. Uh, we've set up a garden, but we need in this this climate, we need a lot of green areas. I want them surrounded by flowers and plants and trees. I want to set up, and I, I have I have this underway, a little, 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 what did they say, mini granja, a little small, no, a little oh farm God. for them. Yeah. So I want to continue, and I'm thinking about putting, you know, up on all my roofs, uh, plants and uh, tubs. I want to have another play area for them. I want to have, I need to to see how I can get another classroom so that the children can stay on, you know, that I don't have to split the morning and evening. I need a, at least two more classrooms. <clears throat> and one of my biggest, biggest dreams ever, ever is uh, to have a classroom where I can have children who are handicapped, little say, ones who are discapacitated. Where do where do they go now? The children who are handicapped, who are, you know, have learning difficulties or I'm shrugging my shoulders because the government insists that little children have to come into mainstream. Now I and I've said it to I think that it's so unfair. Like I have a little one who's Down syndrome. Now, that little child cannot sit all day in the seat doing what everybody else do. I want her to go out and play. I want her to sleep a little bit. I want her to play music. I want her to do a little bit of cooking. And there are so many children on the street that still haven't anywhere to go because these little children are severely handicapped. Like a little mother comes in to me. And she has two children in the school. And all day, every day, she carries a little girl in her arms who, she must be about three years old, severely handicapped. And I look at her and I think, "Mm, you know, where is the justice for you, darling? Um, So that, but that, that, that's a, that's a big dream now, Michelle and Tessa. That, that is a huge dream because the government don't help. And, you know, that 
you know, to pay a teacher and to have a classroom and to to be secure and something, because you can't say to a mother, I'll take your child, little handicapped child for one year. And then after that, off they go. You know, it needs to be something that. But anyway, as I say, I have all these other dreams, another classroom, another two classrooms, green areas. Yeah, listen, life doesn't stop because when you think you've gotten where you're supposed to have, <laughs> you realize that the computers are out of date. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what happens. Yes, you need they more. need more or they need, like what I should be doing, I should be doing a classroom with artificial intelligence. Now, we, we're doing that a bit, but, you know, that that's a big thing too. All this that you're doing, you're like a one-man band. You're the one that's done it all. You've got all these dreams, all these aspirations. Um, who who helps you? Okay, who helps me? Oh, everybody, the whole world gets in there. You know, Pablo Cuello, he said he has a beautiful quote. And he says that when you want to do good, the whole universe gets in behind you. And honestly, Michelle and Tessa, that has been my, my experience. My teacher's 100% behind me. Gibraltar, 100% behind me, my friends, Ireland, my sisters, my own Loretto sisters, all, they get in there and it is true uh, that the whole universe helps you. Sometimes I look out and think, oh my goodness, how in the name of goodness did I achieve that? But I didn't achieve it. It's the Lord wants this and, and you do it. And everybody, you know, helps you. And if you say to somebody truly uh, with your heart, listen, I, I need this help. And if I get this help, I will show you uh, what I'm doing with this help. Uh, then people, you know, the world is full of good people who really want to help you. And I always laugh and say, because they also want to go to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> well, your path is certainly paved with gold to heaven. No, no. Really, you can't do this alone. You know, a one-man band, no. It's everybody's right behind you. And once you... I, I think probably one of the things is just to, to tell your story and say to people, this is what I'd love to do. Will you help me? And they get in and do even better than you do it. Hmm. What has surprised you the most about all this? I think what has surprised me most about it is, as I said, uh, looking back, oh my goodness, how did I get here? Uh, but in the end, it's not a surprise because you, you begin to expect uh, it to go well for you, to for the Lord to help you. And that doesn't mean that you don't come up against obstacles. Last year, I fell and broke my hip. This year, my darling headmistress, who has been with me 15 years, died of cancer unexpectedly. Hmm. And then later on, I don't know what I was doing, I took a tumble and fractured my shoulder. So just before school started. The, the, the thing is, 
things, you know, things happen and you keep going, but I have come to expect that the Lord is with us. I don't want to sound too pious there, but I do honestly, truthfully, as an older woman, realize that there's something there helping out, that there's a a whole force of goodness. We call it the Lord. We call it, and people are there to help, and it's wonderful. And all you have to do is tap into it. Yeah, I think what you put out, you get back. Yeah, I live a lot like that. Yeah, I mean, and I've and I've experienced exactly what you're saying. See, see. So mm. you are now of a certain age. I'm not going. To, I don't know how old you are. Twenty one with a couple of years experience. Um, are you going to thirty three two times? Thirty three two times. How long are you going to keep, are you going to carry on? I mean, are you going to, do you stay there till the end? Do you come back to Ireland? What What do you think will happen? Do you know, uh, Michelle, I will probably, I'll stay as long as I can be a useful member of society. But once I become to be a burden to somebody, then I will go back and be a burden in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> come to Jib. Come here. We look off here. Yes, I'll stop off and... You know, I, I I want to to give all I can, but if I start getting maybe, as I say, a burden, then no, I would uh, just ease off a bit. By, but by that stage, you know, the school is up and running. Unfortunately, I lost my my the girl that was with me in second in command, but. Uh, I, I have another lady with me as well who's wonderful and we just keep going and we do the best we can. Yeah. Do you travel around Peru? Do you do you, well, do, you, do I you think visit you other have, schools? I think you also have to know that she's now I, I don't correct me with the right wording because I'm not sure what it is, but she's now like second in command of the nuns people as well. No. Well, in the whole of Peru. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so she's yeah. taking wow. that on as well That's as quite a school. Prestigious, um... So I don't, sorry, I don't know what yeah. the name of yeah. it is. I'm sure you told yeah. me like 50 times, yeah. but I can't remember it. Yeah, well, I'm regional leader here. We are a region. And uh, yeah, I, I probably, do you know, Michelle, I haven't a lot of time to travel around Peru because sometimes, but I have been to Machu Picchu. I've seen that beautiful, uh, beautiful place. I also wanted to see the jungle. I went one time as near as I could to the jungle and I just on time. But, you know, sometimes I think, you know, travel a little bit more and see something more. But sometimes the time isn't there. Yeah. What is the most rewarding thing of all this? The, the most, I mean, there's, it's all rewarding, obviously, but what is the most? Is there one thing that you can pinpoint that's changed your life? I think that what has changed my life is to live among these beautiful Peruvian people and to realize that no matter how little they have, they are so willing to give. And I want to to have that same desire to give uh, and to just to give and be be with them and to learn from them. You know, sometimes you, you might think, oh, you're going to Peru and you're the one giving. But no, that that is not. You do your bit, but I have received so much. You know, let, let me give you an example. You know, I had a little child in the school who lost her mother. 
and lost her father. And one of the other women said, uh, but give her to me and I will mind her. Now, for me, that is such a lesson that somebody can open up their home and their heart. Say, as a nun, that's what I want to do as well. I mean, I've dedicated my life to the Lord. I want to give a hundred percent. And and so that that and the beauty of the people and the spirituality of the people. And sometimes sitting watching them praying, I think I want that too. I want what they have what they can give me as well. Uh, and then another thing that fills my heart is for a child to come back to the school and say, Madre, my life is so much easier. I have learned so much. Uh, I am doing so much. And thank you for that. And I think thank you, Lord, as well. Yeah. Wow, it's very emotional. It is. Huh? How can we help you? What help do you need? What help um, for anybody listening in Gibraltar? I mean, my podcast has reached 80 something countries, but if anybody, you know, wants to help you, how, how can we do that? Uh, well, in Gibraltar, uh, people can maybe make a donation or uh say to Tessa, look, Tessa, I want to give Patricia a donation. And then I would say, well, exactly what I did with that, because what I really need to do now, and I'm going to do Michelle and Tessa, is to do a video and of the school and have the children talking and have ex-alumnus talking, uh, past pupils, and, and just say what it has meant for them to have had a Faye Alegria here and to have been able to attend a Fay Alegria school and to be looked after and to to it just to tell them that we put we believed in them. Can you also ask them a question what it means? And that they can say, right, because you believed in me. Yeah. Pardon? Can you also ask them what it means to have you in their life? Yes. Well, no, not me in their life. Yes. They alegria in their life, you. you know, to have had a good education. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I just spearhead it a wee bit. Everybody comes behind me. So if people want, first of all, just say to people, you know, say a prayer for us, because here in Peru, there's a lot of unrest. And uh, the minute the government, you know, there's a little bit of unrest, but please God, the Peruvian people always seem to be able to manage to stabilize. Say a prayer for us and uh, say a prayer that maybe the government will realize that education is very important, which they are doing, but give more. Okay. And then if anybody wants to get a little donation, please, I will cheerfully accept all donations. Okay, good. The last time she was here, she she we did a we did a charity we did I did a charity event for her. And one of the things you said was if someone can spare having a coffee a day, a coffee a week, it was, which yes. is which would have been two pounds about six weeks ago, six years ago. Yes. Um, could you donate that to to me? So it was be it would be two pounds a week. So just even that. Even something as basic as that. And if you can add more to it, then that's great. Yes. But I think just something as, as simple as that. that two pounds a week. Yeah. Yeah. That buys a meal for a child for the day. You see? 
So something as basic as yeah. missing out on one coffee that you buy, you can just make it at home. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who has inspired you along the way? Apart from the children, where have you and maybe our Lord, mm -hmm. who is very prevalent in your life or the most important person yeah. in your life, yeah. um, where else do you get inspiration? You know what inspires me? Yeah. I get a lot of inspiration from people who are handicapped but still get on with their lives. I have a lady here, she has three children in school and she was blind. But she got up every morning, got her children up, got them washed and dressed, got them off to school, tried to do the best she could for, you know, to uh, with their little exercise books. People who are handicapped, but get on with it and do and 100% inspire me. Okay. It's been a, a, absolutely fascinating. I knew about you. I knew you were there, but I didn't really know the extent of it. And then when Tessa thought of you, I thought, what a great idea. Then Louise Bardo's also been instrumental in all this because she absolutely adores you. And she was so excited that we were going to do this podcast and, and get the story out. Um, one last question, Patricia, that I've asked all my guests. Um, have you ever asked yourself, why yeah. have I bothered? Have you ever asked yourself why bother? That's the name of my podcast series. Funny, 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 uh, funny, Michelle, that you should ask me that because sometimes people would say to me, Patricia, um, why bother in such a huge country? And, you know, so many people need help. Why bother? And I always quote a little, a, a little story about an old man down on the beach and he was being watched by a tourist from the window of a hotel. And hundreds and hundreds of little crabs came up onto the beach and could have been caught there on the beach. And he went down and he lifted up a little crab and threw it back into the water. And the man was so taken by that that he went down and he said to him, there are thousands of them. Why bother? And he picked up a little crab, threw it back in the water and said, well, it made a difference to that little crab. And so I think in my life, if I can change the life for the better of just one child here in Hikamarka, then my life has been worthwhile. Just one. I'm sure you have. Not more than one. More than one. Yeah. So that. Yeah. I'm in awe of you, woman. Me too. Me too. Me too. I've got one very silly last question. But it might not be silly. You might find it entertaining. Yes. <laughs> if you were stuck on a desert island, who would you be stuck with? Who would I be stuck with? Uh, probably I would say, put me on the desert island with my Kindle. <laughs> and, then, and then I could read everything. But probably if you said, choose a person, uh, I would probably say they're Louise, Michelle or Tessa, but probably would say one of my sisters. 
one of my own family. Yeah. But put me on the desert island with my Kindle. <laughs> <laughs> and lots of battery. And lots of Wi-Fi. And let me bring up all the books in the world. <laughs> oh, it's, been, it's been one. And then I have the Bible and I have Shakespeare and I have... Uh, uh, Anything. I'm not going to uh, Wilbur Smith or whoever I love to read or, you know... Um, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, you've got to keep going, keep going, keep going as much There's as no you can stopping keep going. Uh, she I think you're amazing. She that you couldn't come over. You're I mean, amazing. you have to rest. You you yeah. deserve all the praise and all the love from Gibraltar. Um, and we, a lot of people do whenever we, well, we listen, mention thank you. Thank you. It's always with, you know, we everybody speaks about you with a lot of love. So that's right. a wonderful, a wonderful thing. So yeah, we're we're done. Thank you. That's it. Can I just say thank you so much to you. Thank you so much to Louise, who's put me listen later on. Tessa, my darling, Michelle, that I've met again, and uh, thank you so much for even thinking of me. Oh, uh, we do, we do, always. Yeah, always. and all the very best. And and thank you to all friends who are out there who remember me and send a big hug and a big kiss. And uh, all my love. We were... You should do your send off in Spanish. That would freak people out. Sí, que puedo decir que estoy aquí. Un brazo a la distancia a todos mis amigos y amigas. I love you so much. Muy bien. Un abrazo a la distancia. I love you. Muchos besos. Ah, muchos besos. Mucho cariño. Yeah. Take care, Patricia. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Tessa. Thank you. See you soon. Bye. You've been listening to series three of my podcast, which is called Why Bother? It's a question I've often asked myself, and I'm sure you have too. And I wanted to speak to people about their journeys to success, why they've bothered. Thanks must go to my producer, Charlie Hurst, for putting this podcast together. Catch him at soundunit.co.uk. And a big thank you, too, to artist Beatrice Garcia for designing the podcast icon. Her website is beatricegarcia.com. Thank you for listening, and please like and rate the show. And should you want to get in touch, my email is rougechip at gmail.com.